Welcome to the Learning Capacity Podcast. You're with Colin Klupik. In this interview, we talk with David Stanley, a former maths teacher and now Director of Learning Ecosystems Growth at LearnFast Australia, about the use of memorising maths tables to help build learning capacity. David brings fresh insight to what at first may seem perhaps a little old-fashioned. Dave, you're a believer in memorising maths tables. Nowadays, some people might think that's a little bit old-fashioned. Can you uh, walk us through it? Yeah, probably a slight distinction there for memorising maths tables in that uh, a whole lot of the neuroscience tells us that uh, as we exercise certain pathways in the brain, continual exercise lays down more of the mile and makes it from a uh, rusty, bumpy road into a super highway if we continually exercise and use that part of the brain. So it's not so much memorizing tables in as much as it's exercising the brain to be really, really familiar with certain number relationships, fundamental number relationships, so that when students, adults see some numbers together, they're immediately familiar with the possibilities. It's not a case of learning three times four is 12. It's a case of seeing the number 12 and going, wow, that could be a whole bunch of six bunches of two all pieced together or three bunches of four or four bunches of three or one and 12. Like there's lots of different ways to look at those numbers and it's the relationships between the numbers which is more powerful for developing numeracy in the student than simply rote learning tables. Okay, but you've picked on the times tables, if I can call them that, as a way to get started. What's what's the reason for that? Probably the same way that uh, in most of the sports we play on land, the fundamental fitness, the fundamental aerobic capacity, the fundamental muscles used to propel the body around is the legs in running. So... Uh, nearly everyone, you know, at the start of any training session for any of their sports, you know, will have a jog, will have a bunch of uh, warm-up exercises, and that's what the tables are. It's it's the numeracy warm-up for the brain. So, could we use other types of exercises, or is, are times tables the best ones to choose? Look, uh, without a doubt, there's a whole range of other exercises. Um, which which could be constructed. The really great thing about tables is everyone's familiar with them in some way. Some people have better experiences than others. And there's a direct logic in the practicality of having those tables known, mm, as well as the practice, uh, the numerical practice. There's lots of tools out there that help um, sing along, you know, practice it, get the hang of it. It's one of the few math skills that parents generally have some understanding of being able to help out with their uh, child in developing maths and, and to recognize when their their child has actually um, done good, to uh, use a common phrase. You, you uh, referred before to uh, familiarity. One thing I've found is that looking through school classrooms these days and uh, having recently done so, given the fact that I work in education, I used to see years and years and years ago these huge tables on on the wall, like a chart, a times table chart, but I don't see those very much these days. And when you talk to other teachers about times tables, they seem to say, oh, yes, I remember when we used to do that. Why do you think this is now an issue of history rather than what's happening currently? Um, I think as uh, educators continually explore different ways of uh, learning, different ways of trying to encourage learning, um, different uh, 
methods get tried. Some work better than others. And uh, there was a particular um, bandwagon for a while there that wrote learning was really bad and uh, uh, may actually have some negative impact on uh, student psyche. And so it went out for a long while. And we got a couple of generations of people where tables aren't their strength. And uh, then there's a couple of generations before that where that was sort of like regarded as, you know, one of the, the, the three R's was that reading, writing, arithmetic, even though we can't spell properly. Yeah, that's right. So um, coming back to the learning capacity thing, which seems to be um, the, the driving force behind learning these, these tables, can you tell me a little bit more about uh, what other capacities we can build by doing exercises like this? Yeah, really powerful question. So um, we know that um, the science, I should say, uh, tells us that the key cognitive skills for learning and learning any subject is to be able to pay better attention to that ability to focus and then to be able to um, build the strength of our working memory or for some people just to get their working memory working. And then if you've paid attention and you've heard some instructions, to be able to put those instructions in their correct sequence and process that information. So if we talked about those four four skills, memory, attention, processing, and sequencing, they're four really powerful skills needed to, um, to learn any subject. So the more we can build those fundamental skills, the more learning capacity we build for that student. The really cool thing about doing table drills, it's a bit like doing sprint drills on a football field. Very rarely do you have the opportunity to run 20 metres in a straight line. But by continually training the muscles, it's not just the running, it's the accelerating, the de-accelerating, it's the turning around. There's lots of other skills that get um, woven into the human experience besides just rote learning. Um, seven times eight is 56. So just to clarify this, I know this might sound a little bit obvious, but you're absolutely convinced that doing something like learning maths tables is going to have an impact on a person's ability to apply themselves to other things. Yes, and that's not just in other parts of mathematics, but that's in general. If if their mind's better exercised, if their working memory has had the opportunity to build more capacity, if the students learn to focus more, and the other part is when they're doing things on the clock and they're trying to better their best time and they're continually improving those times and getting sharper and sharper, they're also learning the concept of speed. And they're, they're gaining a huge advantage then when they go in to do any test because they're used, they have a mindset that the faster I can get the questions done, the faster I can write, the more time I have to think about the answers in this test. And if you talk to most people um, in their school age uh, experiences of doing math tests, for instance, they often said, I just wish I had more time. Well, one of the ways you can create more time is to be more familiar with the numbers and to be quicker at writing the numbers. That's going to help you with any part of your maths test. Now, this is just not a matter of your opinion, I take it. You've had some experience with this yourself in maths classes or with maths students. Is that right? Very much so. Um, I had a remedial uh, tutoring uh, for quite a while, did quite a bit of remedial tutoring, and was the first the first thing of just setting the framework in place. A large amount of tutoring and coaching is explaining concepts to students and helping them understand um, the elements of whatever particular maths problem they're doing at the time. But it's far far more beneficial and has a uh, longer lasting benefit 
when you put the foundation skills in place at the same time as explaining a particular concept that they have for homework and the particular hurdle they have, help them over the hurdle, but building long-term, if you like, brain fitness in, maths brain fitness, it makes it makes a large difference. Now, this was some time ago, I take it? Um, yeah, focus, you know, the focus of it was 30 years ago, 35 years ago. Um, but um, since then, I've tutored numerous times. And then there's the experience with my own uh, child and nieces and nephew as um so that they've they've experienced the tables themselves and the benefits of, of, of doing it. The reason why I asked that question uh, more to the point was uh, in the last 30 years, we've seen massive jumps in uh, technology. I mean, 30 years is, is, it almost seems like an eternity for technology. What you're suggesting sounds like a fairly low-tech approach to building uh, a, a neuroscience-based way of increasing someone's ability to learn. Uh, are you suggesting that low tech still has as much to offer these days? Well, I'll, I'll put to you they haven't found a better way to replace breathing for feeding oxygen to the brain. Okay, and, fair um, comment. Yeah, I, I, I think if you can keep it fairly simple and keep it to things that people can do just about anywhere, that's a, a really cool way to build the fundamental fitness that's required for learning. Learning doesn't require technology. Okay, so let's say someone really likes this idea. They go, great, my kid's got that problem or, or my kid has that problem uh, or even I have that problem. How would you encourage them to go about it if there was a little bit of resistance towards suddenly sitting down and learning times tables? Really good question, really good question. Probably something that a lot of people um, don't see at first glance is that fundamentally tied in with this is the whole concept of helping students understand the power of goal setting and the power of focusing on an, uh, on improvement, not the end goal of getting to three minutes. So unfortunately, we have such a, a competitive mindset out there that we consider that if you get the gold medal, you've done well, but silver and bronze is not as good, which is a real shame because at the end of the day, the comp- the competing is a fantastic thing. Making finals is awesome. Representing your your city, your state, your country, like each of those levels has its own degree of excellence. And it's all about how do you continually improve. And it's exactly the same. This, these tables aren't about rote learning the tables. They're about challenging yourself to get better at doing something every day. Continual and never-ending improvement. So it's really about trying to encourage someone to think about their, their own internal motivation to, to improve rather than some chore that they have to do to, uh, I guess, um, satisfy some external measurement of their academic ability. Very much so. And that's exactly the point. The tables are, are just a convenient bit of plasticine for you to play with to shape your own thinking and get a better understanding of your own ability to set goals and achieve goals and continually challenge yourself. And for some people, the challenge is just completing the whole 169 answers on the grid square, right? That's just a huge challenge to get them all done. And to get them done in 10 minutes is a great achievement and worth celebrating. And then the next step is to get it completed in the 10 minutes and trying to get them all correct, right? So there are all different levels and every bit of progress should be celebrated and applauded to encourage students to continually want to improve. 
that attitude then spills over or has the potential to spill over into every part of their education. And in fact, it can help them develop that real love for learning, that quest for constant improvement through every facet of their life, potentially for the rest of their life. Dave Stanley, it sounds like a great story. I hope, uh, I hope this works well for all the people who see the maths tables. Fantastic. Thanks for your time. You've been listening to the Learning Capacity Podcast brought to you by LearnFast Australia. To find out more about LearnFast, visit learnfasthome.com.au where you can also subscribe to the blog. Until next time, bye for now. Bye.